for some word? All right. If you brought your Bible with you, go ahead and get that out. If you have your Bible apps on your phone, fire them up. And go with me, if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. I've been sharing with you for a number of weeks now, and I think I want to finish that today, this series called, anybody know? Forgiven and free. All right, so we'll wrap it up. Maybe. Probably. Forgiven and free. If you're new with us and you feel like you're coming in at the end of a, of a, of a series of, of teachings, uh, you're right. And uh, welcome. We're so glad you're here. It'll, it'll help you no matter if you've heard the first several parts or not. But if you want to hear the whole thing. Um, maybe the subject matter itself, once we get in, you'll see, hey, I need to hear more on this. Uh, we've said a ton already, and I think it will be helpful, beneficial to your life. Amen? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, notice with me, verse 3. Verse 3, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What we've been saying uh, numerous times already is that even though this is a a well accepted principle or theological position it's the basis of Christianity that Jesus died for our sins on the cross uh, the understanding of what that means and the practical application of that is somewhat varied in other words, some really have a full grasp of what that is, how it impacts their life personally, and others, you know, it's kind of more of a, I agree to the statement, I, I, I agree that this happened. Um, and one of this, these areas that I am endeavoring to expound on again and again is, is that Jesus didn't just die to remove the penalty of our sin, but he also died to remove the power of that sin over us. All right? They are both very much connected, but many times people accept the first part, forgiveness of sins, they receive eternal life, but then they continue to struggle with those very things they've been forgiven from for the rest of their life. They'll still go to heaven, amen, but, but, but that's not ideal, that's not an abundant life, that's not a full life, that's not a victorious life, really when we can get to the point where we can say, you know what used to trouble me, what used to tempt me, what used to be an issue to me, it's hard, I hardly even give it a second thought anymore, and when it does come my way, I can just blow it off because I have literally been given victory and freedom over this mess, Amen. And, uh, you know, in our lives as Christians, we're not just seeking, hopefully this is not the case with you, not just seeking to not get caught. <laughs> in other words, you know, looking over our shoulders and no one knows what I've done. So, hey, I'm free. <laughs> well, uh, that's not ideal that you think that way. <laughs> For one reason is because uh, no one ever truly gets away with anything. And so what we can do is be forgiven of anything. So that's helpful. But if I have this mentality, as long as no one knows about it, as long as I'm not having to suffer the consequences, that's a defeated mentality. That's one that will stay in bondage. Uh, be determined to say, I'm not going to just do right when other people know about it. 
I'm just going to do right because this is who I am in Christ. This is who my Father God is. This is how he's changed me. I want to live accordingly instead of kind of this schizophrenic thing going on where I'm saved but I'm a rascal. You know, I'm victorious on paper, but I'm a mess on in practical living. Yeah, I, I don't want to be there. Amen. And, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the problems we have in, in society, even in our country, is, you know, we've been, we, we proclaim we are the home of the free, the home of the brave, land of the free and the home of the brave. And, uh, and, and you know, to have a free society is an amazing blessing. But how many know that's getting more difficult and more difficult when morality and godliness goes down? Because what you, what you want is more and more freedom, but you have less and less inward compass in society. And so what do you do when you want to have a free, free land where you can go when you, where you want, when you want, do it however you want? But more and more people are taking advantage of that freedom because they're not led by the Spirit. They don't have this, this righteous guide on the inside of them telling them, don't do that, even if you can. Because what happens is more and more rules are needed. More and more laws are required. We've got to make a new law to stop people from doing this. And now there's a new technology. Now there's this thing that didn't exist. We have to create a law so people don't do this. And so you want free, but you got more and more laws. Laws, 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 which makes freedom go down, right? That's why a country like ours, and you can see some of our founding presidents even made statements that, that, that were similar to this, but it's very difficult to have a free land with an unrighteous people. And so, uh, you know, I mean, uh, how do you fix this? We need to elect better politicians. Well, that might help a little bit, but you know what we need more? Was we need revival. We need the gospel to get inside of people. We need the law of the spirit of life in Christ to rule our lives, not just I'm not going to do this because there's a rule, there's a law, there's a, I could get in trouble. How many of you, I mean, since, since, since I've been saved, I'm more and more led from within. That means I do things not because of an outward pressure to conform to it, but because of the Spirit of God and His love inside of me. If, if, I like to think of it this way. If there were no law saying um, not to kill people, pretty certain I wouldn't do it anyway. In other words, for a person that has been changed and their heart takes on the characteristics and nature of God our Almighty, then they don't need laws to tell them what to do and what not to do. They'll, they'll just be led of the Spirit. What? I can't, I, what? There's no laws against killing people so we can just go? I, I, I'm not going to do it anyway. <laughs> there's something in me that says, no. <laughs> there's the love of God in us that compels us to live a certain way. Amen. Ultimately, that's where we want to be in our lives, independent of, again, now of, of societal laws and, and government laws, independent of any of that. We want to be people who do the right thing, not because we're forced to, but because of the Spirit of God and the Spirit of life and love inside of us. And if you can learn to live out of that instead of through the temptations of the flesh, you're laughing. This stuff we're talking about is not difficult then. But if we're trying from, because of outward pressure, it can be very, very difficult. Amen.
So let's get back to this message then. This, uh, this spiritual position that all believers have, if you're a Christian, you have this, of being forgiven and free uh, is just simply a fact. It just is. If you get saved, you are that. You are that from God's perspective. Uh, but then there, the second part is our beliefs. I need my beliefs to match my position. I need my beliefs to agree with what God says about me in this area. Otherwise, I'll struggle. Otherwise, they'll, th- th- this will be a problem. I would say to the most carnal person among us, the most carnal Christian among us, that you are totally forgiven and totally free. Or, yeah. Now, you may not believe that. And then you'll struggle with it. Or you may not see yourself that way. But if your belief will line up with reality, the reality of who you are in Christ, that gives you the, the foundation, the launching pad to, to enjoy this and live this out. You have been given power and authority to rule and reign in life. This is true concerning all of us. We have been given that. Whether we're using it or not is, is, is another question. There are practical ways in which we are to live this out. You know, uh, where we go, who we associate with, uh, the media that we consume, uh, what we meditate on, how we respond and deal with temptation. Those are all the practical outworkings of, I am a forgiven and freed individual But what I do then sets me up for success or failure. Yeah, If I declare this is true, and it is, have God's agreement, heaven is on my side. But then I do a bunch of things that undermine my ability to live in it. I'm only shooting my my own self in the foot. Yeah, And so I don't want to set myself up for failure with practical dumbness. You know, it's, it goes back to that whole idea uh, where we do things and, you, and later you look back and say, did I really think that was a good idea at the time? <laughs> that really wasn't the smartest choice I made there. And so we want to be wise unto salvation. If you'll look at Romans chapter 7 with me, Romans the 7th chapter, if it takes you a minute to find it, it'll be worth it. Romans the 7th chapter, I want to read here. Uh, several verses without giving much, um, if any, commentary in the middle of it. And so you can get a kind of a feeling of what's being stated here. And, 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 and then we'll see if we can relate to it. I'm really hoping that you don't relate to about what I'm about to read. But if so, we'll fix that. Uh, in Romans chapter 7, it reads, uh, beginning in 14... For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not, what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. 
For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to my inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Is anybody encouraged today? anybody considering meditating on this verse every day this week this passage of scripture (laughs) this passage these several verses here are describing a defeated life this is not the description of a life of victory if you can relate to it if you can relate to this overall general feeling I want to change that I want to help you to change that. I I really uh, hope that you don't take comfort in saying, oh, finally, someone who can understand the way that my life is. And uh, uh, you know how there's a certain degree of comfort when someone else kind of knows what you're going through. (laughs) Don't accept that. All right? Don't don't sit back and say, yeah, there's a Bible verse I can relate to. (laughs) Let me know some Bible verses you don't want to relate to. You know how some some individuals they just think, well, if it's if ever it's in the Bible, I just take all of God, all the Bible is God speaking to me. <laughs> Quit. <laughs> we need to be a little deeper than that because not all the Bible, not all of the Bible is God speaking to us, right? It's an inspired recording, an accurate recording of different things that happen. But sometimes it's God speaking. Sometimes it's the devil speaking. Sometimes it's a it's a it's a person who doesn't know any better speaking. Right? And we have to judge and say, okay, how does this apply to my life? How do I fit in this? Or is this something describing something I don't want? Amen. And so this passage describes Paul. You know Paul. He's the, the apostle who wrote many New Testament books, including the book of Romans. It, de- it, it is Paul describing um, uh, this state of a of a defeated life. Now listen, it's not him describing himself while he's writing this letter. And one reason we know that is because you can read just a few verses earlier in the sixth chapter, and he talks about how we are dead to sin. He sure seems alive to it there, struggling with it every day. Right? You read many of his writings, including the previous chapter, including the next chapter, you see a life of victory. He did not say, you know, I'm a mess. I can't help, I can't even live right myself. I can't do anything good, but follow me as I follow Christ. No. See, this is not a description of, because if you think, you know, hey, there's the great Apostle Paul, and if he couldn't live right, if he couldn't control himself, what chance in the world do we have? Amen. 
And many have, have, have gotten to this, they, they read this last line, Oh, wretched man that I am. And they think, yeah, that's me right there. Oh, wretched man. Uh, <laughs> that is not a picture of who we are. You, you, you know the, the, the famous song. It's a wonderful song, um, Amazing Grace. The old hymn, Amazing Grace. But you know why a lot of people have changed one, one line in there? There are a lot of Christians that won't sing one line in there because at the beginning, uh, you know, it says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a, a wretch like me. And many people don't sing that. They say they replace it with someone that saved someone like me. Because once you come into a knowledge of who you are in Christ and what you've been done and how you've become a new creation, you, you, you realize you can't continue to think of yourself as a wretch. Right? And I think much of the song is amazing. You know, but you know, I can't think of myself in, in the way that I used to be. I have to acknowledge that I'm a different person. I was a wretch, but now huh, I've moved on. I've been changed by his grace. Everybody with me today? If you've never thought of this before, if you've never even pondered that thought, then this revelation will help to be a transformative truth in your life. You'll think of yourself different going forward. Okay, but again, you, you might recall that we were we were studying from First Corinthians chapter ten and and, and and looking about how at how when a temptation comes to us, and Paul wrote that letter as well. Uh, he said that God will make a way of escape. Well, this doesn't seem like he he found the way of escape. It seemed like over and over, what a mess. I just can't even do the right thing. I can't do it. It's a constant struggle. So the question is, is that a picture of who we are and what we have and how we are to live our lives? It's just we're never going to have victory. It's just going to be a struggle and a, a constant challenge? No. No. What I believe this is referring to is a pre-Christ state. Is him describing what someone is like before they get saved. Before they come to the Lord. Now, you could make the case a little bit, that, and I'll come back to this, but a Christian who operates with that mentality would also have those same struggles. Okay? But uh, if you go back to where do you get that? Why do you think he's unsaved? Because of verse 9. If right before we started reading, a few verses before we picked up there in 14, he said in verse 9, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. So what is that talking about? I was alive. Paul is referring to a time in his life pre-commandment. In other words, the commandments existed. In other words, Moses had made the trek up the mountain and came down with the Ten Commandments and all that stuff. That existed way before he was ever born. So he's not saying I was living during the time when there were no laws or commandments. He said they just didn't come to me yet. In other words, he was too young. He was a child, and this is true concerning all of us. There's a time in our life that we are children, and we don't really grasp and have an understanding of, of God's eternal righteous system and standard, and our missing the mark is not really a choice that we made. See, uh, Children still have a sin nature, but their sin is not imputed to them. It's not held against them because they cannot get it. They don't understand it. In other words, the commandment hasn't come to them yet. This is, this is why we know uh, that all young children who die go to heaven. 
They do. This sin is just simply not imputed to them. They're not being held, held accountable for what they cannot conceive or, or perceive or understand. Amen. But what happened to Paul is he said, I was alive. What do you mean alive? Like alive unto spiritual things, alive unto God. Uh, you know, kids often before they could ever know Jesus as their Savior, they can have communication with God. They can have, a, have somewhat of a relationship with Him. They're alive to Him. But the point comes when they know this is wrong, this is, this is sinful, this is contrary. That's the point when we basically die to that and we need to be born again. We need to receive eternal life. He said, so the sin revived, and he died, and then he goes on through the rest of the chapter saying, and it's ugly. <laughs> it's a mess. And he ends up with, oh, wretched man that I am. Amen. I want to show you, uh, uh, show you Ephesians chapter 2 as well. You can turn there. I'll put this up on the screen for you. Ephesians chapter 2 gives us a picture, and this is the mentality we need to have. All right, chapter 2 and verse 1, Ephesians 2 and verse 1 reads, He, and he made alive, and excuse me, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice the, the, the tense of these words. You, he made, not is going to make, not is making, not a process. But you he made. He's talking to Christians who lived in Ephesus. That's why the book is called Ephesians. You he made. Past tense. Alive. Who were dead. You're not dead anymore. But you used to be dead in what? Trespasses and sins. Now is he saying that those Christians who lived in Ephesus. No longer ever from that point on. Did anything wrong. Or made any mistakes. Or committed any sinful acts. No that's not the point. That, that's not the issue. That's really not, uh, that's really not a problem here. Still, they were, that was considered a past tense issue. All right? He said, uh, verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Again, past tense. But he's not, we're not to believe by this and say, well, these Christians here, they live perfect lives from that point on. If that were true... Not only is this message in this series unnecessary, most of the writings to those believers in the early days, they were unnecessary. But you'll find again and again that they were addressed on how they behaved. In fact, if this, this very book, you read chapter 1, 2, and 3, and it tells them who they are and what they have and what they can do and what they used to be and what they're not anymore. And then chapter 4, 5, and 6 says, now this is how you're supposed to live because of this. So it deals with their spiritual position and then their practical outworking of that. But it's not saying that they've never, never mess up anymore. But he says, this is who you are. You used to be this, but now you are something different. Okay? According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So if you're a Christian, you are not called or considered to be a son or a child, we could say, of disobedience. You're now an obedient child of God. Spiritually speaking, that's you. Even if you say, well, you don't know what I do. <laughs> I don't. But if you've, if you've been saved, this is what God says about you. Your behavior might not line up with it, but this is still the way God sees you. 
you used to be a child of disobedience, verse 3, among whom we all once conducted ourselves. This is how we used to be. In the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Again, were by nature. This is where the problem lies sometimes with modern day believers is they get saved and they think of themselves still as rascals. I'm just a bad person. I am incapable. I'm sold under sin. I'm a slave to it. I can't help myself. I do what I don't want to do and I beat myself up for it. They have a total wrong vision of themselves. And because of that vision, they're going to live that out. Maybe you've heard the saying, you become what you behold, right? And if I see myself in that light, life is going to be a challenge. I'm going to be, oh, wretched man that I am. Yeah. Well, we should see ourselves different. Why don't you say this out loud with me based on this passage? Say it with me. Say, I am no longer a defeated person subject to the desires of the flesh. I am no longer a child of wrath. I've been made alive. Yeah, if you've received the Lord, then that would be a true statement about you today. You have been made alive. Here's the confusing side to some of our our ability to judge or discern another person. All right? Is you can have a lost person and a carnal saved person... And they look very much alike. And I can't ultimately look at someone without a revelation from God or just listening to them. I, don't, I can't ultimately declare someone saved or lost. And if I'm judging by their lifestyle, I'm going to be even more thrown into confusion. Because sometimes people are just baby Christians. And they've been that way for 10 years. Sometimes people are just, they have the wrong mentality, even though they have sincerely received eternal life and been forgiven of their sins, right? And so they look very similar. In Romans chapter 7, when Paul was writing this, he was, in, we can say it this way, he was expounding on the impossibility of a person serving God in their own power. And for sure, that would be a lost person trying to live right and trying to be good enough and trying to almost earn their way to salvation by following all the commandments. And that's futile. You will never succeed in that. And that's what most of the New Testament conveys over and over and over again in in different ways. But whether a person is lost or saved, even for the believer that is in trying to live for God within uh, with their own strength, in their own ability, uh, they're going to find it very difficult, very defeat, uh, very defeating, feeling like, man, I, I just can't do this. I know someone says, well, how, how, do you, how do you get to a point where you're, you're trying to live right, but you're not leaning upon yourself? You are truly leaning and using the power of God within you. A, a lot of that, uh, and I'll, I'll explain in more than one sentence, but it is it has to do with belief and mentality. Okay? Uh, when you look at the last part of Romans 7, you still there? 
the very final thing he says is, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. You notice this is the first time in this whole passage that Jesus is mentioned. I would encourage you to mention Jesus quite a bit in your life. He should be the center of your worship, the center of your prayer, the center of your authority, the center of your boldness, the center of your victory. In other words, I'm not just trying to muster up enough strength and trying not to think about the wrong stuff and trying not to do... If the, if the, the word J-E-S-U-S does not frequently come out of your mouth, you're probably living in your own strength. Because we see hardly really nothing in this whole subject until the last verse of Jesus even being mentioned. And then the next chapter, now it's all Jesus. Now it's all spirit. There's no spirit here. Meaning Holy Spirit, so forth. No spirit power. It's all human power. The next chapter, it's all Jesus and spirit power. So I want to ask, how how much Jesus is there in your life? In your mouth, in your conversation, in your prayer, in your declaration, in your belief. And, and how much spirit? Meaning, uh, he, he's given us the Holy Spirit. And of course, you know, Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, there's, a, there's an additional experience for all Christians of being filled with the Spirit. If you're struggling with sin and you haven't received the baptism in the Spirit yet, uh, I recommend it. I recommend not just being born of the Spirit, but being filled with the Spirit. We have a cl- classes that go on all around. What, check your announcements and everything. Classes are around here. You can go and learn if you don't know about that. And you can be filled yourself. That is a huge advantage. That's how you don't live in your own, in your own strength. But look, look at chapter 8 and verse 1. Chapter 8 and verse 1. You realize this was written not in a, in a uh, chapter and verse type of book. This was written as one letter. So just because the new chapter starts doesn't mean the subject is over. It says here in chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. This is the answer. This is the solution. Here's where it starts. God is no longer calling you a rascal. The condemnation. No longer saying you are a waste of flesh. You know, you're you're just, there's nothing good about you. There's nothing good in, in, in mankind. Once you come to Jesus, he makes you new. He removes the guilt and shame and the condemnation. And you stand before God and he says, there, you're my boy. You're victorious. You're free. You're righteous. You're holy. You've got my spirit. And you can, you and I together can do this life. And you can overcome. Amen. Say, well, what about that part? It says, if you, it says there is none of that condemnation if you don't walk according to the, the flesh. It, well, that's true. Say, if, someone, say, say, if someone walks according to the flesh and not the spirit, will there be condemnation? Totally. <laughs> Your own heart will condemn you. People around you will knock you down. It, it, you know, if you break the law, the law will condemn you. Right? The court system will... There's condemnation everywhere you turn. Here's the good news is the Lord doesn't do it to you. 
You can fall down and the Lord will be there, not there with a club, but with a hand to pick you up. When we mess up, he's there to say, let me help you. Let me, let me bring you back up. Not condemnation. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? Our goal then is to recognize who we are in Christ so that we can walk according to Christ. It's, it's similar to the, 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 see the spiritual laws here are similar to the laws that, that govern, um, that govern nature, natural laws and so forth. Uh, we think about how gravity affects everybody, right? I step off the stage, I'm going down. You step off the stage, a man steps off, going down. Woman steps off, she goes down. All right, Christian goes off, they step down. Unbeliever goes up, they step down. They, they fall down, right? Works on everybody independent of how you've lived your life today. <laughs> if you've been a good person, a bad person, gravity works for you. Right? We could likewise say the law of sin and death, unfortunately, works for everybody. It'll knock you down, condemn you, uh, confine you to a life of misery, to a life of wretchedness, of struggle, of pain, of I can't do better. Law of sin and death works against everybody. Everybody. Say, what about Christians? Everybody. Say, what do we do? We apply the other law. That is, right here, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's the only way you get out of Romans 7 into a Romans 8 victorious life. It's, it's similar to, it's similar to um, um, the laws, like I said, the law of gravity. Gravity, we can overcome the law of gravity. If you've ever been in an airplane, you've done it, right? You applied other laws, lift, thrust, you overcame weight and drag, and you were able to fly in the air. Did, did the law of gravity cease to exist? No. The law of sin and death is still here at work in the earth today. But someone is, is being enlightened. Someone is getting a revelation of what Jesus totally did for us. And so what we do is start operating in a higher law. Is, is sin and death still there? Yes, but I don't care because I've got wings and I've got speed. And to get enough, you get enough speed and enough you know, lift on the airfoil, you're going up. And I tell you, when we recognize all that the Lord has done for us, and we start saying who we are in Christ, what we have in Him, we, we, uh, we um, obtain the mentality of a saved person, you will fly. You will. It's like that used to really bug me and hurt me and harm me, that sinful condition. But now it's like I'm above it. You saying you're above that? Absolutely. The devil is under my feet, and sin is under my feet, and a lifestyle of defeat is something that Jesus took care of. Praise God. And so we think of ourselves in this way, and, uh, um, and then you read much of Romans 8. I encourage you, if you want this week something to read, read that chapter every day. And you'll see so much about how it's a mentality that we have. If we put our thoughts on certain things, it enables us to live free. You, you might recall over in Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul taught about the armor of God. And he said our, our, our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against basically wicked spirits and so forth. He said because of that, armor up. 
put on the armor of God. He, de- he began to describe this Roman soldier in all, their, in all their different pieces of armor. And he tied a spiritual truth to each one of them. You know what one of those pieces of armor is? It's called the helmet of salvation. The helmet. Well, why would salvation be a helmet? If when I'm saved, it's my spirit that's born again, why a helmet of salvation? Because for the saved person, one of the things we need the most is to think saved. You are saved if you gave your life to the Lord and received Jesus, but that doesn't guarantee that you're going to think saved. And I'm telling you, the enemy is coming after your head. And if it's vulnerable, you will start living the life of an unbeliever even though you are a believer. You will start seeing yourself as defeated even though you've been totally empowered to live victoriously. Yeah. So that's one of the challenges all through the the days of our lives is to maintain and to keep uh, saved thoughts. I, I think of myself not in, the, in accordance to the way I, I've been or even maybe have acted that day. But I think of myself in light of what Jesus has done for me and what he has made me. Amen. It'll ruin a bunch of songs that you guys listen to on the radio. I'm talking about the Christian stations. <laughs> You'll go, oh no, I can't sing that anymore. Because that's saying something about me that is a picture of the past life. Of the old defeated life and not my new life in Christ. And you'll battle to keep that helmet on. You'll struggle. And if you mess up, the enemy will say, you're a this. You'll say, no, boom, I am not. I may have done that, but I am not that. Amen. This mentality is what is needed for us to live forgiven and free. Amen. Oh, the Lord is good. Isn't he helping us? Praise God. Father, thank you for working in our lives today.